0: Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello to our fabulous listeners and hello to my fabulous co-host, Sophie. Hello. (laughs) Sophie is currently sitting beside me with tears streaming down her face and it breaks my heart that she has had such a rough week. She can explain it herself, but I just wanted to say that I'm sorry that you're feeling like this because you don't usually feel anxiety and you don't usually feel down, well, as down as you have been this week. So perhaps you could share a little bit of this to our listeners so they can understand yeah
1: like I won't go into it too much because it's pretty like fresh at the moment no one's sick or died or anything like that but I've just been having some issues with my mental health this week and I was absolutely fine and then I pressed record and tears started um so you know like we preach on here being open so I want to be open to because I guess I'm someone that hasn't really dealt with this until recently and it's definitely more like anxiety side of things and then anxiety leaving me flat and it's something that, yeah, has been a bit more frequent recently. And anyway, I finally made the decision to get some help with it. I've booked in to see my GP to get a referral to a psychologist and I won't really go into too much of the cause, but I just want to remind everyone that like life is fucking weird at the moment for everyone. And whether you're in lockdown or not in lockdown, you're allowed to feel rattled by that. You know, not being able to see your family whenever you want to see them, not being able to like plan time away from, you know, your day-to-day life is really hard for people. So just, yeah, I'd just say now more than ever, just just try and be really nice to everyone around mm-hmm. you, whether that be in real life, on social media. Yeah, if social media is not making you feel good right now, get off it. I don't know, mute people that maybe aren't making you feel good about yourself, um, whether that be related to stuff that's going on with COVID or unrelated. I mean mine has been triggered by things that are unrelated to that but people still being aggressive online. So, yeah. I haven't had a great week, but I'm proud of myself for taking the first step because I've always been someone who's been like, oh, I think everyone should see a psychologist, everyone should get therapy. Um, it's good for you even if you don't have a quote unquote problem. So, um But I've never been someone who's followed through with that on my own, which is a story of my life. I love dishing out advice, but don't (laughs) necessarily follow through with it myself. So um, yeah, that's about all I'll say this week. There's been a lot of lows. There hasn't been a great deal of highs, but that's okay. How's your week been?
0: (laughs) Um, My week has been not any better than yours to be honest (laughs) so we're so sorry that like (laughs) people are probably like wow this is going to be really 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 this is a great episode episode, actually once we're past this intro this episode was recorded
1: in happier times it is fun it's an uplifting episode (laughs) yeah
0: it's a it's a really fun episode and we hope you enjoy it but my week has been much the same and mine is due to lockdown crap because to be honest, my grandparents are, well, my grandpa's in his nineties. And every time I think about them, I get this thought in my head that like, if something happens, then I'm never going to see them again. Like, it just feels like it's been such a waste of two years. Yeah. And every time I've tried to go and see them and fly down for like a day, I can't even do that. So I know a lot of people, and you know what I'm sick of saying? I know a lot of people are going through different things because I think it's clear that we all are going through different things, yeah, there are people going through lockdown. there are people not, and there's just a whole lot of shit going on, so this is my personal issue and my experience with with the lockdowns, and I'm my heart's hurting because I miss my grandparents, and I'm sad for you because I feel like what we're doing. And as we always have been is to try and help and make people feel wonderful or feel inspired or just feel like what we're doing is relatable. And I really just I'm disappointed that people in this time can be so harsh and so I guess, nasty in a, in a time when we really just don't need it. It's the last thing that everyone needs right now is for people to be nasty to each other. So yeah, kindness is fucking everything at the moment. And I think we need to all pull up our socks and do a little bit more of that. Besides that, I have exercised more than ever before because I feel like I'm about to have a mental breakdown and then I've probably drunk more to balance it all out. So it's been, I feel like I've been in fight or flight all week. So do or
1: don't look at you for strategies. No, don't ever look at
0: me for a strategy but definitely look at me as a, um, what do you call it? I've lost the word. Oh, but definitely use me as an example if you like. (laughs) Okay. I'll see. You had a mum hack for us this week and it was your actual real life I didn't even know it was a mum hack until all these legends started writing in saying I do this it's freaking fabulous or I should do this because it is freaking fabulous so all I did was post a photo of my stools being on the table and I said that I tend to leave my stools up after cleaning for several days (laughs) because it makes me feel like the house is clean, even though it isn't. Um, and then I said, we all have problems, but a lot of women said that they do this too one woman said that she did it and left it for so long that she got a sun damaged stain on her <laughs> dining room table because her chairs were there for that long someone uh, else said that they like to leave them up because then their kids don't sit on them and put food on the floor so i'm not sure where they're sitting at the moment they're eating
1: outside they're in the kennel
0: <laughs> and heaps of other people just said that they do it and- It's so
1: true though, when I get the house ready for Meryl, my robot vacuum to whip around, even before she's even started, I'm like, oh, like, you know, I've I've literally moved the shit that was on the floor just to on top of a bench. Like I haven't put it away anywhere. But But the house automatically, if you just keep your eyes down and only look at the floor...
0: Your house is spotless. Yeah, if you've got Meryl. See, for me, if you just look up and see everything on the table, like, oh, the stools are up, you have this, like, like thought that, oh, it's all clean. But if you look down on the floor, it's filthy. My ha- It is actually <laughs> filthy until Friday we have when- about
1: 1700 animals in your house as well so you've got no
0: chance that includes my husband
1: anyway we'll get into this week's episode we promise it is uplifting there's no more tears and yeah this one is with Alex M's from kids flourish uh, and she's talking all about how you can
0: get your family
1: ready for a new little member.
0: Woo. Yes, we love chatting with Alex. We have done previously. She's here again to tell us more, so let's take it away.
1: Alex, welcome back to the podcast. We've got Alex M's here from Kids Flourish. She is a parenting coach, and if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you may have heard her delightful voice speak to us before about the incredibly important topic of Tantrums Mm -mm. Um, and we welcome Alex back this time to chat about how we can kind of get our family and more importantly our kids ready when there's another member of the family joining soon or has just joined. So thank you so much for being on here again with us today, Alex.
0: Thanks for having me back. You're an absolute pleasure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what you do and your experience in this field?
0: Yeah,
2: so um, I'm a teacher by trade. I guess you can say that. And before going on maternity leave with my now three-year-old, I was a behaviour teacher for two years at a primary school. And through that role, I really supported parents and teachers in behaviour with primary school-age kids. And then, since going on maternity leave, I started up an Instagram called Kids Flourish and started posting on there about behaviour tips and things you can do. And then as my little bub grew into a toddler, that's when I delved into a lot of research with younger children. And now I support parents both one-on-one and through some workshops in respectful parenting and behaviour management.
0: You're like a real life angel. (laughs) Thanks.
1: (laughs) Now let's start from the start. I think we'll be probably focusing a lot on toddlers and introducing them to a baby in this chat but we can talk to children in general too but maybe more to those kids that you can't just outright explain things to them and they fully understand Mm. if that makes sense so if you have a toddler or a young child you're pregnant what can we do to get that child ready for a new member in the family before the baby has arrived
2: Play can be a really powerful tool with all sorts of behavior issues and just getting your kids ready for new experiences and getting your child a doll, whether they're a boy or a girl, getting them a doll and teaching them how to play with the doll, you know, what they can do to really get used to having a baby in the house and how to play with a baby. There's so much you can actually do around just using something as play And obviously then talking about the fact that there's going to be a new baby in the house. You know, you don't want to sort of shy away and bring it on as a surprise. Stories are really valuable here too. And there's some great books. You can even get books from Kmart on introducing the baby or being a big brother or being a big sister. And then, you know, making sure you have conversations around that and linking that to the fact that they're about to be a big brother or a big sister can be really powerful as well.
1: And just before we move on from the pregnant thing, I did have one book that I found really helpful and it was a book, uh, we can link it in the show notes, it's called My Big Moments is the kind of brand of the book and the book is called Baby on the Way and you can personalise the book to have your child's name That's really in cool. it. So it was all about, you know, Poppy's name popped up in it so she absolutely loved reading it because she's like sweet a book about me and then we would say you know like when the grandma would come we'd be like that's shimmy like coming to our house you know that's what's going to happen when we're having the baby and she became obsessed with that book to the point that I was like I'm over this book now <laughs> <laughs> we get it there's a baby coming
2: <laughs> yeah that is powerful because it's got her name in it and she's got yeah. that, the, that ownership over that and they, she's the big sister yeah absolutely
0: and how do you tell them that you can't drop a real baby but you can just dump the doll on the floor
2: so it probably comes with when the baby arrives I I wouldn't be too fixated on it when they're (laughs) before the baby has arrived because kids will know the difference between a real baby and a doll baby so if they're dragging the baby by the leg sorry the doll baby right by the leg (laughs) don't worry they're not going to start beating up your baby when the baby arrives but there's some things you can do after the baby arrives And and I think something that I wish that I did more of when I had my second child was teaching my toddler how to play with the baby, Mm. not so much saying, oh, no, get away from the baby's face or, you know, sort of helicoptering over the baby and the toddler but more teaching the toddler, oh, the baby really likes to be tickled on the toes or when the ba- or when the toddler rushes over to the baby, things like, you know, acting out in shock, like just keep your mm, distance, be careful. Yeah. Oh, I see you want to touch the baby. How about we tickle the baby on the tummy or, you know, that's all teaching how the child can play with the baby in an appropriate way.
1: Because you feel bad this new baby has joined the house and all of a sudden they've gone from, you know, being able to kind of play and do as they wish in the house, obviously, to some form of limit to all of a sudden all day being told gentle gentle. So yeah, having a different approach rather than feeling like you're telling them what to do all day, I guess is really important.
2: Yeah, and it empowers them as well because they know how to play with the baby now and they they can actually then you notice them going up to the baby and actually doing those things that you've worked with them with. So you don't feel as, you know, when they're so brand new, I don't think you can help but being uh, wanting to be near and making mm. sure that, you know, your toddler is playing appropriately. But you can sort of step back a little bit as well and watch your toddler really flourish in play with your baby, which for me, that was the most beautiful moment, I think, when I was able to you know, stand back and actually see how my toddler was interacting with the baby.
1: Yeah, one thing I found was I would watch them but make sure that Poppy like or couldn't see me watching or didn't realise I was watching and I think it gave her this real kick that like there was that level of trust there but really I was close enough that if she were to act out, which I'm very fortunate she didn't, like
0: she's quite a gentle child, but I was close enough in case. Getting back to the story of letting you- your kids have a little bit of independence when the newborn arrives. Mia was 16 months apart from Billy when she was born. And that was a wild ride in itself. But I turned my back to go into the kitchen one day and the kitchen was very close to the lounge room. And I turned back and she had placed, no joke, Nine cabbage patch dolls all over Billy in the rocker and she started rocking her like a batter out of hell. Yeah. Like she was like, yeah, kept on rocking her. And she meant well, but how do you explain to a sixteen month old How on earth to just tone it back? I really did like the idea of before you give birth and welcoming a newborn, you would tell them, oh, just, you know, play with their toes. They love their toes. But maybe Mia didn't quite realise she wasn't a doll. Yeah, I don't think she knew what was going on, to be honest. Or maybe she did and she was trying to kill her. I don't know. And that does come back to the
2: different age gaps that we all have with our kids and how much they're going to understand and and yes, how much maybe we do need to be close by. And mm. that would have been a wild ride for you, Jade, I can imagine. <laughs> yes, it was.
1: From a professional opinion, I don't know if you can say this because I guess there's pros and cons to everything. What do you think is like a somewhat manageable age gap. I mean, Jade, you might even be able to talk to this a bit more because your first two are so close together and then your second and third are many years apart. Like, is there an age that your child gets to that like kind of that comprehension goes up so it does become more manageable? To be honest, I
2: don't know what the science is behind this. I do know that possibly two years might be ideal because they get those those two solid years with you with that primary attachment figure however I think that we can't yeah again we can't say because there's there's always going to be such positives and negatives to each gap you know having them close together might be a bit of a wild ride as you mentioned Jay but then having them a bit further apart you might have an older one that's a bit more independent but yeah are they going to play as well when they're older? Can you imagine
0: how many times it's been Googled, when is the right time to have another baby? <laughs> like imagine how many people but have tried to work it But let's actually talk this through. So like if
1: they're 16 months apart, that is wild for you. That is you know you've got two babies but I guess so quickly Mia would have got to the point where she's like I don't really know or remember any different whereas I think if you've got three or four years they really get used to that sure they understand the baby more but you're probably more at that age where they've really got defiance and they are so used to that one-on-one attention or if there's other siblings that kind of attention so as you say it's so I guess so dependent on the child and there's definitely
0: yeah yeah it's definitely dependent on the child and their personality and I think the the sex as well not the parent sex <laughs> the gender of the baby <laughs> but I think that you know Look, it it takes a while. It probably takes maybe until the youngest one is of two years of age to see those two kids starting to engage with each other, which Mm. is beautiful. So you do, I think, a solid two years of hard work to get the reward. Now, if you think about that for the rest of your life, like for me personally, that is the best thing I've ever done because yeah. these girls play 90% of the time. They are inseparable and that has been the biggest blessing. So yeah. I would take those two years of really hard work any day. To the, give them a the best match. Yeah, and yeah. I think the the bigger age gap is wonderful too. I mean we, we sometimes we can't have a close age gap and life throws things in the way and then we have bigger age gaps. But I really enjoyed that one as well because I had little mini helpers for me. So they were able to, like I'd say, give. can you get me a nappy? Can you get me this? Whereas a 16-month-old is <laughs> throwing poo on the wall and going, you get me a nappy. <laughs> oh, no, they're not saying anything. They're just going,
1: ah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do you have any tips for when your little one meets the baby for the first time?
2: I personally actually stressed out a little bit about this. I was Same. trying to really organise my situation and I was in hospital for, I think, four hours after giving birth to my second. There was no way I could. I was actually thinking, oh, maybe my husband can go and get the toddler and then coming back to the hospital to get the baby. And I was like thinking all these like, wild situations, which just added to a bit of stress. And then yeah. I, we just walked in. The toddler was at home with nanny and granddad and we all walked in. And I think my husband was holding the baby. I didn't think that there was a big issue around because I know that there's a lot of a lot to do with or a lot of people talk about how not to hold the baby or mm. have the baby in a cot or which I which I completely get but if you're walking into a house you can't have that <laughs> Leave situation already set up because they're not always coming to visit you at a hospital so I I think that can cause a bit of unwanted stress and I think maybe you'll know your toddler well and if you can have that you know, situation of maybe the toddler is, uh, sorry, the baby is in a cot in a neutral situation on neutral ground, then wonderful. But if not, I wouldn't stress over it. There was no issue for me walking in home with um, the toddler there or vice versa, if the toddler had come to the house after.
0: I think having a toddler is you know how we always feel a little bit guilty or you hear a lot of mothers feel guilty knowing they're about to have another baby and you think, oh, I'm not going to have time for my toddler anymore. That is the plus side of having a small age gap because they are a toddler and they take up most of your time, if not more time than your newborn. So I found myself entertaining Mia, doing things for Mia because she needed it and the newborn would just sit in the, (laughs) Billy would just sit in the rocker. Whereas when there's a bigger age gap, you don't need to do a lot of things with the older one because they are more independent and they understand a little bit more and the plus is they've also had a lot of time with you already so I think they're both win-win situations
1: yeah I remember in those final weeks of being pregnant like I like I wasn't a particularly emotional pregnant person in those last few weeks I was like crippled with the idea that I was like I'm gonna bring this baby home Poppy is going to hate me like I was like I'm never gonna have time for her like she's not gonna know what hit her Oh my gosh, if there's one thing I can stress to pregnant women out there or, you know, people who are about to welcome a second child – your toddler will still take up 80 mm-hmm. percent of your time even when it's the newborn that gets neglected yep. hands down and I think that's part of the reason that Goldie is so independent is because from the start it's just kind of been like look after yourself.
2: Yeah throw them in the front pack and off you go just yeah. doting on the toddler really that's what I did especially at night time because I was like, oh, you know, babies don't go to sleep so easily in their cot. And I know that that's probably going to be a bit of a stress to parents because that's something that I thought about. And yeah, I just used to put Ari in my front pack and, you know, organize dinner, meal prep as well. Yeah. So organizing dinner that was already meal prepped or cooked during the day when the toddler was at daycare. And then I just, yeah, basically Ari was on me while I did all what I normally do did before having a baby with the toddler.
0: (laughs) I'd also like to say when you introduce a newborn to your other child that really remember not to have any expectation of what will be their reaction because as Mia was fine with the baby, when I first saw her coming into the hospital, I was excited, I had a little gift there for her to make it easier and she went straight up to my belly, opened up my top and said, where is it, and closed it down. And then saw the baby in the little bassinet thing in the hospital and then was so blasé about the whole thing, really didn't give me, like, time, didn't give the baby time. And I was heartbroken because I was like, she actually does hate me. But she and you think
1: it's going to be this like, this, like, monumental moment when really, like, it's a pretty complex thing for them to understand. She may not have even realised, like, oh, that's like came out of her and that's coming home with us and staying but what, with us. But
0: what was going on behind the scenes that I didn't know is she was being absolutely spoilt by grandparents. She was spoilt with so much attention that she didn't need me. So I just think if you can go in just going, if my child looks at the baby, great. If she doesn't, great. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. They're not meaning anything by it.
2: Yeah. Can I say something here as well about expectations and about how our toddler might react? I think we do a lot of worrying, but there, there are things I know for me personally that came up that I, you know, thought I might mention. Things like preferring the other parent over, over one parent. And also with my son, he became very clingy with objects. So there's going to be some new behaviors that are going to come up. And all, I just want to say that all of that is normal and all of that is a phase and, you know, all we really need to be doing is supporting our toddlers through this transition
0: that they are going to find different ways for them to cope. Absolutely. And I also think that the biggest thing that I learned having a third child come home to our family was the adjustment period of the first few weeks. It's not just you or the baby adjusting. Every single person in your household is learning a new normal and then learning a new position and a new role as a brother or sister, as a mum or dad, a mum or dad of three, whatever it is, we are all learning these different positions. And that takes a lot of time to work together and, and find this new flow in the house. So for the first few weeks for us, We had a newborn and we were all screaming at each other because we were trying to do what we did before the newborn was here and it wasn't working. And once I understood that we all just have to try this new method, we we did. We started to calm down and things started to work. So it is a journey.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think for toddlers as well or firstborns or second borns or whoever's that you know whoever you've got in your family there's so much excitement and build up when you're pregnant you've got probably everyone that comes in the house oh are you excited for the new baby oh you know there's a new baby coming how exciting and then the new baby arrives and the toddler's like or the child is like what do I do with it's not that exciting doesn't really do anything (laughs) Mm. And are there things that you
1: think that like we should avoid saying over and over to, I guess, the older sibling or siblings, like especially in those toddler ages, like do they get over every visitor being like, oh, are you a good big brother? Are you a good big sister? Oh, how's your little brother? How's your little sister? Like, should we almost go in and talk to them about something different or does it depend?
2: Yeah, I think some of that's just not helpful. Are you a good boy or are you a good girl or are you a good big sister that's got no meaning to that it's not actually you know they might have had a big meltdown that morning and so they might not be feeling very good right now and then that wording is a bit confusing for them and it's also putting a lot of pressure on them you know even things like oh you're going to help so much with the baby or are you going to all of that I think does come out of our mouths very naturally but we do probably need to think about the pressure that we're putting on the child and I think if it happens once or twice or you know if you're in this situation now and you notice that it's happening just maybe having the conversation with your child around you know you can do as much as you want to do or yeah. there's you know we don't have the high expectations or you know however you want to talk to your toddler about it I don't think people need to be confronted when they're when they're saying that to your child but maybe a conversation after just to ease the pressure for them a little bit because they children naturally want to be helpful and naturally Mm. want to do well and when that pressure is added that's when they're probably going to decide that they don't want anything to do with it which again is, is also fine because they might just not know what to do. And that's also
0: okay. I learned that big time when Mia went and did a running race, we realized we were those parents on the sideline that was screaming out her name. And the next time she never wanted to do the running race, she actually just started crying. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's because we've given too much pressure on her to do well. Anyway, we just said the next time, don't, Worry about winning. We just would like you to finish it because I think that you would really enjoy the feeling of finishing no matter what you come. And we walked away. We didn't stay there. And the teacher called us and said she ran the whole thing by herself. So it was interesting to know that us being. You thought you were being
1: supported, we but weren't. really it was a lot of pressure. Yeah, it was too much yeah. pressure
0: for her. So we're still learning eight years in, yeah. always learning. And that's different temperaments as well of children.
2: Some children might really thrive under that bit of pressure and that, you know, kick up the bum. And then another child might really crumble under that pressure. So it all comes down to a child's temperament.
0: Absolutely. Now, one of our bigger questions that came in was around bedtime issues. Are they a common issue when we bring a newborn into the house, especially if your toddler sleeps in your bed? Looking at me. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So ever since Goldie was born, Poppy hasn't left our bed. We thought it was a phase. Well, we're 18 months in and we're still going.
2: Uh, I think with sleep, it's whatever works for your family. For my toddler, we were lying down to get him to sleep. And when I fell pregnant, I decided that that wasn't going to work for us and our dynamic anymore with the new baby coming. So we did a, you know a lot of adjustment around trying to get him to stay in his bed without needing you know going to sleep by himself, which which took a while. Uh, so I think if you are pregnant and something's not working for you now, that's when the time, to mm. shift something is, no, not after the baby comes. <laughs> however, if you don't mind that and you think that, you know, it might be in your bed so the baby is going to be in your bed or a cot beside the bed or, or however your sleep arrangement is going to work and that's going to be okay for you, then nothing needs to change. It's not until I think that, you know, we really want something to change that we're going to really think about how to make it change. If you're getting really frustrated at your toddler or your child around around this because of the new baby, then it's probably time to start putting some things in place, whatever you think is going to work for them in regards to sleep. As opposed to after the baby comes, any sleep issues that begin because of the new addition or, you know, any new behaviours that come up after the new baby's arrived, I think to know that there's a big adjustment a period for the toddler and to support that toddler, you know, with the emotions that might be coming with that. And they might just be needing a little bit of attention or connection time with you before bed. And I do actually have a workshop on this available on my website, Ooh. kidsflourish.net, around toddler sleep and respectfully, you know, having your toddler going to sleep at nighttime. But a lot of it is around connection. There's connection games, things that that you can play with. Like hide and seek is really good because there's also separation anxiety that's kind of got to do with bedtime. So if bedtime is an issue, it can be quite complex, but um, there's some of the things that might be coming up.
1: Yeah. We, I mean, you touched on it, but we love to sound this podcast that like nothing is a problem until it's a problem. So just because like, you know, I never saw myself allowing my toddler to sleep in bed with us, but I actually don't care. And I feel like for so long, I convinced myself it was a problem just because it's not a position that I ever expected myself to Mm -hmm. be in, but I actually in, reality, don't mind her sleeping with us. And I think I will say to parents out there, if you enjoy sleeping with your toddler and you're worried about when the new baby comes, Goldie has actually never slept a night in our bed. She cannot sleep touching on us, anything. Even when she's been teething, I've tried to bring her into bed with us and she doesn't want a bar of it. But even when the bassinet was next to our bed, never once did Goldie wake Poppy up during the night and I think that's a stress a lot of people have. But a lot of the time with toddlers, I don't know if it's just mine, but I feel like once they're asleep, they go they go deep and there was times that goldie was screaming and i was trying to latch her on and poppy's head was like literally a meter away from my boob sound asleep
0: i agree and also the the fact that we can listening to everyone's stories and doing this podcast has really opened up my eyes knowing that there is no Right or wrong way to do anything with parenting. If you feel good and it's working for you and your family, you keep doing it. When it becomes a problem for you, not anyone else that's butting in and giving their 20 cents worth, then you change it. So it's just nice to know that you can, yeah, you can feel good knowing that whatever you're doing is fine.
2: Yeah, that's right. And as I think, as long as you're coming from a good place and you're in a good place, if not, you know, seek help because there there is so much help that you can get out there, and I think that that's really important for our you know well being. You talk a lot about the mental load. And, you know, I think that it's so important to get the help that you, that you need.
1: Absolutely. And you touched on a little bit with bedtime and those, you know, sometimes your toddler craving attention. What are some easy ways or some tips you have that, you know, a, a mother, a parent can still feel really connected to their toddler or their older child when a new baby comes along?
2: Uh, so I think it, you know, with with new babies, and I know a lot of parents feel the issue of around breastfeeding and, it, you know, babies feed a lot and they're on you a lot. So how can you, you know, be connecting with your toddler during those times? And, yes, we can maybe have a box. I have seen that there's uh, some plays, some toys that they only get when you're feeding or, or something like that, which is fine. That didn't really work for my child. He just wanted to be next to me. So we used to play games and sing songs like This Little Piggy Went to Market and mm. little, you know, Can you sing games. that for us? We'd Anything love to that-
0: hear it. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> I'll probably forget sure the
2: words. <laughs> 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 yes yeah, so, and with that game as well there was the touch involved so that is really connecting for them lots of games of hiding hide and seek so as i mentioned that's a great anxiety might them. be coming up.
0: Mum hack. <laughs> yeah yeah sorry maybe
2: not when breastfeeding <laughs> <laughs> and you're such a good hiding on the couch <laughs> you've been hiding for an hour and i just couldn't find you <laughs> oh kids always tell you where they are they don't know they will never be oh hiding mommy i'm long. here i'm here i'm here I'm in, I'm, in,
1: I'm in my, um, yeah, I my cupboard. I'm yeah. Like, yeah, I can
2: see you, hear you. Behind the C3 curtain. Yeah. And then they go hiding in the exact same spot again.
1: And I think also you have to be kind of realistic with subsequent babies. I feel like when Poppy was born I would always feed her like on the couch or in a chair or and it's just that's not I think the reality when more kids come along. Like whether you're breast or bottle feeding, you're going to be feeding your baby on the floor of their room in the car standing up yeah stopped on the side of the road in the car like it's not that same like let me just set myself up comfortably here it's you just got to kind of
2: do it wherever yeah that's right and sometimes it's running over to stop your toddler from breaking something (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and that's okay and it's however we I feel like we shouldn't put too much pressure on ourselves. It's not going to be as perfect as it was with our firstborn, but we kind of have done that before. So we, you know, we know how to do it now and there's less, hopefully there's a bit of less pressure because we do know what to expect around those, you know, things like feeding and things like that. However, there is the other dynamic of having another child in the house that you're still looking after.
1: <laughs> and I think maybe when you're asking for help, like getting people to help with domestic chores so that like when you're baby naps instead of using all those naps to like get stuff done you can really focus on your toddler like of course rest as well but maybe instead of always being like can someone (laughs) look after my toddler like maybe instead being like oh you know if you do have support around you being like well can you do the laundry and I'll play with the toddler or whatever instead of feeling like every break you have you have to catch up on other stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's really important too because they are craving that connection from you. In my experience when and and still my, my bub's just about to be six months, And he will be on the, you know, my baby Ari will be on the floor while I play with Abel. So I think that even though there is a new baby in the house, we don't necessarily lose that time with our toddler, because especially up until six months, they're not crawling, they're not really moving around, we don't have to chase the baby around. And we can still have that time with our toddler and then once you figure out how to get out of the house that's also good for <laughs> yeah. and you will figure out how to get out of the house I guarantee
1: I know it <laughs> seems impossible
0: but you will do it and one you feel day. so good when you've oh. done it you're like I've just seriously it's like I've saved 10 lives and I've literally just got out to get coffee like it. one day it's
1: like you go in the car with both of them on your own and then the next day or you know the next week maybe whenever you've mustered up the energy again it's like I'm gonna go somewhere that's contained and then maybe the next week you're like I'm gonna go somewhere somewhere that doesn't have like fences around it and then all of a sudden it's normal and you're like whoa I never thought I could do this yeah and
0: then you're like queen (laughs) how do we deal with jealousy and is there a certain age that this really peaks oh I think again that comes down to the child
2: jealousy is a funny one because it doesn't really start till a bit later in life but we can see things like anger and it cropping up in different ways and you could say that it's possibly due to jealousy in a way of them not feeling like they've got you all to themselves and again it comes down to the fact that children don't really know how to share so with toys and Mm. things like that but when dealing with jealousy Again, it depends on how it's coming up. If it's, it might be coming up as in tantrums, or it might be coming up in them telling you that not to hold the baby, or them not being absolutely interested in the baby whatsoever. And I think we need to keep our ground about certain things but also be a bit more flexible. So if you if it is, you know, I don't want you to hold the baby when we're playing this game or something like that, or they're asking you to do something without the baby. It depends on the situation, whether you're going to say yes or no. I don't think there'd be a hard no here because your toddler's asking for you and that may be how they're asking that. However, if they are feeding or something like that, then you would say no, but maybe later we can play together without the baby. Or if you can put the baby aside and give that attention to the toddler. There's no hard fast rules here and I think as parents if we can be a bit flexible and a bit understanding of our child's big feelings then it's just going to be a bit smoother and a lot less stressful for everyone they're going to feel what they're going to feel and it will crop up in many different ways and many different behaviors and so we can I think I mentioned this in our tantrum podcast that we did a few months ago it's very much seeing the feeling under the behavior under what's coming up you know, maybe they are feeling a little bit left out because the baby's getting a bit of the attention. Talk to them about that. especially yeah. if, they're, if they're probably old enough to be feeling jealous, then they're old enough to have that conversation with you and just really explore those feelings without judging the child based on the behavior or how that feeling is manifesting
0: I've actually found that with my two and a half year old the communication just purely with tantrums so if we're in the car and she wants something in particular that I genuinely can't give her instead of me saying no and just that's it no you can't I now say do you really want that drink? Do you want that drink of water? I don't have it now, but when we get home, and you know what, she might understand a few of those words, not the entire sentence, but what she does understand is that I am understanding and hearing her and it calms her down and then she whinges about something else and then we go for (laughs) round two. Yeah, but it does work. Yeah. That's all they want, to be seen and heard. Bless them. And then that's
2: how we can solve problems.
1: And what if that jealousy is manifesting in, like, violence towards the baby? So, you know, we don't want to spend the whole time being, like, gentle, gentle, gentle. But what if there is hitting of the new baby or lashing out at the baby?
2: And there will be. And there might be. It's really common. So first of all, if it's happening, your child or your toddler isn't nasty or isn't a broken horrible person or whatever isn't broken, um, it is completely normal. And I think that they're probably learning how to play. Yeah. They literally don't know what to do with the baby. And until they figure it out or until we can teach that, then that's how they'll, that's how they'll learn. So going back to what I said earlier around teaching them how to play or what they can do with the baby. Mm -hmm. If it's happening at a particular time, say when you're feeding and they might run up and slap or whatever, you can give them something to do while you're feeding, talk to them and telling them, you know, do you want to touch the baby or do you want to um, play some blocks next to me? Do you want me to read you a book? What I found really handy, actually, not that with the second child, you really have a feeding area, like you mentioned, but it was usually the couch. So I had actually a box of books and toys next to the couch for Abel to play with. So just to help redirect him Mm. when he was either climbing all over me or, um, you know, I could see something about to to start or just getting, yeah, just wanting, wanting my attention. So with the hitting, I think it's about uh, redirecting after that moment but talking about it as well. So, yes, there will be that soft hands, um, this is how we play with the baby, hitting's not okay. So there is still Mm. that being said, that hitting's still not okay.
0: And I find hitting and poking and, you know, putting fingers up nostrils are all a part of being curious and it is what it is. But when, especially I think two under two, Mia fed Billy or tried to feed her sultanas. And she and was well. a few weeks old, yeah. and I'm like, babe, she can't. She can barely have my milk at the moment. Don't give her. <laughs> oh, sultanas. Poppy tried to
1: give Goldie berries, and I was just like, oh. She's like, no, she'll like them. I'm like, oh, it's really sweet, but incredibly
2: dangerous. <laughs> Don't do it again. And that's come up with me as well. You know, I'm eating this. I want to share, and you know, with my son, who was learning how to share. Oh, we're sharing. I'm like, they can't fucking weird. win. <laughs> Um, and, yes, I guess that just comes down to close supervision and, again, putting small toys away that your toddler might be playing with, especially as they they get a bit older. Yeah, it's something we need to be be careful of and especially if our child does have something small and they're near the baby, we have to, we have to really monitor favorite that. Poppy's favourite
1: line is sharing is caring, but it's used very, like, opportunistically and it's a very one-sided <laughs> statement. It's generally back to me when I'm not sharing something with her. But let's talk about when the baby gets a bit older because I felt like the transition from one to two when Goldie was a newborn was somewhat manageable. Poppy took it well, but once Goldie was on the move, it really changed. Poppy was all of a sudden like... You know, it's the sharing, it's the snatching, it's the suddenly being in their space. How can we better deal with that? Because I found that a really exhausting time and it's still happening. A leash.
0: Now. A those little teddy backpacks, those hideous things you look at people in the supermarket and go, you, you horrible mother. And then you have one and you're like, where do you Google that from? Like, I need one. E <laughs>
2: Seriously, we yeah, really don't see them around anymore. No. <laughs> And this stage starts, I guess. I noticed, started noticing this with my toddler as soon as my baby was able to start grabbing things. And then mm. out came some of the toys that my son recognized as being his. And then, yes, there was a bit of a dilemma around sharing. Young children are really learning how to share and they don't know, they don't really know how to share. So, you know, we, we want to obviously teach that, but we want to keep our expectations low around that. I think it's okay for your toddler to take things off the baby if they're taking it. I wouldn't make it cause a big scene or a big fuss. However, you can have that conversation of what would you like the baby to play with because From, you know, uh, I guess four months when they start grabbing things, the baby's really intrigued with the toddler and not probably not so much intrigued with the toy. So they're not going to, the baby's not going to get that upset if the toy Mm. is taken away. So you're teaching the toddler to replace that toy with something else. Maybe there's a basket that is just for the baby and the toddler knows that this isn't, that's not their toys. But then again, that comes with age as well. If they're quite young, they probably wouldn't understand that. So just again being a bit lenient and keeping your expectations low on what your toddler is actually able to do because sharing is a very complex skill that they really are still very much learning. As they start to crawl and move around, having different areas for your kids. For me I've got a bit of a bigger age gap and I've got my toddler who's really starting to build towers, he's also starting to do some artwork and things like that. When my baby is going to start crawling, I'm going to have different areas so the art is going to be up on a table yeah, where my yeah, baby clever. can't get to because it's um, devastating for the toddler. He's gonna start, yeah, and if he, my toddler, is going to start building blocks and things, I'm, I might put up a, a little bit of a barrier so that the the baby's got his little area to go to, and I think you know. There's lots of things we can use as a bit of a barrier. Uh, I've got like a, a little wobble board thing. If
0: you've even got a small, like home, say a unit, and you can't do that, I've heard of people just bringing out a porticot and putting the baby, the crawling baby, in there for a little bit of time. Yeah. So they just have. Some yeah. So yeah. they've got like they know they're contained and not being so hectic. Oh, and that becomes a safety issue as well, especially if you want to go to the toilet or something mm, like yeah. that. you don't want to bundle all the kids in
2: to the toilet. <laughs> um, get yeah, there. so those things work really well. But if you're if you're in the in the room and able to sort of direct some sort of areas, then yeah, that works too. Because the thing is, um, you might set up a bedroom or a playroom for your toddler and think that they're going to go in there. They just really want to be around you, so they're yeah. probably all going. You're all going to be in the same space, really.
1: Here I was being judged for six months by having a random cot sitting in my lounge room, but now you're now you're recommending it, Jade. I didn't know that's what
0: you used it for, Sophie. I thought it was just supposed to be put into the garage.
1: It was versatile. Okay, yes. I might have put her in there once to go and have a very quick shower. Sure.
0: sure. <laughs> So we had one question come in. They said, my toddler tantrums, unless I carry him everywhere, how do I stop this before the baby arrives? So, uh,
2: yes, I'll definitely start to address it before the baby arrives. And kids are going to get upset when we say no to things. And that's okay. And, again, if we, you know, listen to the feeling, accept the feeling, set a bit of a boundary there, and especially for yourself as well, after you start to get you know into your third trimester and you're carrying your toddler <sighs> yeah. around, it does become a bit of a safety risk as well, doesn't it? Although we all do it. You know, I think that if, if your toddler is going through a phase of having tantrums quite regularly, then really supporting the toddler, but staying firm with your no, because there are going to be lots of things that they're probably going to tantrum over. As, and I think sometimes we just need to set the boundary and, and stick to it. This will also, if we do this consistently, it will also reduce the amount of times the tantrums occur. But have the conversation with your toddler. Don't blame the baby or the pregnancy Mm. about why you can't lift them, but have the conversation around, you know, Mummy can't carry you all the time and support them in that way. And you might actually find that they they will say that they might want to be carried, and then they might say, "Oh, mummy can't carry me at the moment." You know, yeah. I I would be careful around blaming the pregnancy and the baby for this, but having that conversation with your toddler, depending on their age, they actually might start to repeat that back to you.
1: When the kids get older, is it best to avoid comparisons? Like sometimes I catch myself being like, "Oh, look." Poppy, Goldie ate all her dinner, yeah. or, you know, like, I mean, I don't compare their looks or like their, like, really ability to perform tasks, like skills and stuff. But I often catch myself and I'm like, ah, oh, should I not be probably doing that?
2: Well, I, I don't know if it's that helpful, especially around food, if, if you're putting that pressure on food, mm-hmm. and you're sort of taking away that autonomy around your child deciding when they're full or um, mm. how much they want to eat. And yes, yeah, it's just that bit of added added pressure, I suppose. And they also might not care, especially if they're quite young. <laughs> I don't know if Goldie's quite getting. <laughs> I think that's the main that, thing. Um, they just you know. don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah so that's an age dependent as well but you know how we were parented and you know those things might just slip out again mm. don't be too hard on yourself but if we can reduce the comparison yeah. yes all our, our kids are going to be different uh they're going to possibly have different temperaments you know one child might be a big adventure explorer and another child might be very safety conscious and if you start comparing them they've got different temperaments yeah they, that child that's a a real climber it finds it very difficult to do what a child that maybe is a bit more settled very um, well or enjoys drawing or something like that. They've got they've got different interests, so comparing them it really isn't helpful. And if we're doing it when they're older and they get it, they might actually take it on board as something that's not so great about them. When yeah. yeah, we want that to be um a skill or a strength that they can really harness and manage.
0: Yeah, i love that. So Billy, my middle child, had a parent preference. She only wanted mum. And then, funnily enough, our third child only wanted dad. I don't know if that was related to me having postnatal depression and him having a lot of quality time with her, and that was her main bond. But regardless, we definitely went through these stages of a child only wanting us, which is extremely exhausting, especially if you have another child or several children. Are there any tips on this?
2: Yes. So I think that if it is you as the mum having a newborn and then your child only wants you, you're partner or dad will need to be stepping up a little bit and probably, you know, doing bedtimes and things like that, which your child might be against or, you know, share their (laughs) feelings about in one way or another. And I think, again, setting a boundary, but being a bit flexible here. So for us, at my house, it's dad that's the preference. And dad was doing all the bedtime and then oh, it was, it was amazing. But he also works quite late. So, and I had to do bedtime sometimes and once we got to six months, it was unfortunately back on me <laughs> to a bit of bedtime. And so we negotiated and we sort of share the bedtime a little bit. So it's not a hard and fast no, but also the child needs to understand that, again, they can have those feelings, but it's dad that's putting you to bed tonight, or it's mum that's putting you to bed tonight. Maybe mum can come in and have a bit of a kiss after, and vice versa. So, again, setting that boundary. Hearing the feelings, but being a bit flexible around that. And please know it does pass. It is a bit heartbreaking um, when you're not the preference. As my I was going to say, broken. we're talking about it being <laughs> exhausting,
1: being the preference. But I think just as much of an issue is yeah. the heartbreak of you know, yeah, because yeah, when Goldie was born, it was all of a sudden Nick was just doing everything with Poppy and and you do you feel heartbroken a bit as much? you has got to, it's one of those things you've got to be careful what you wish for because part of you is like, oh, please just want Nick, like please want your dad and then all of a sudden you're like, Please want
0: me. (laughs) But they also swap. Like there are times throughout the whole year where my children have preferences and swap. Like It's seasonal. (laughs) And and I have seasons of my favourite. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Oh, I'm kind of kidding. But, you know, like right now my older kids don't want Dad to drop them off. Like that's their thing. We don't and they have a cry about it. And my husband just said it before we started recording saying Mia had a meltdown because she wanted you to drop her off. Well, that's just not going to happen today. Like we have to work out and find our balance and say today dad is dropping you off and that's it end of discussion and be a little bit more hardball on that but at the same time I we need to understand that for some reason she's a little bit more emotional and we hear her and they're
2: also seeking a bit of control so there's a couple of things that are going on here with parental preference and attachment theory sort of suggests that normally it's the mother that's the primary attachment figure. As your child grows up, they're starting to learn to have multiple attachment figures and they can't, It's not like a a straight or it's not linear of, you know, they've gone from being attached to you. So now we can add another person. It might end up being that they become attached to dad, but can't quite work out how to be attached to both of you. So they're going to be rejecting you a little bit more over dad or something like that. So that's the science, I guess, around that. But also children are always trying to seek some control. Mm. So, again, maybe with the drop-offs, if that's probably not the issue, you know, it's not attachment related, it's possibly that she's just trying to seek out some control in a situation Mm. that she doesn't have a lot of control over. Uh, So, she's voicing that. In She also told me that
0: I was third in her favourites. It went auntie, Mimi and then mummy. Yeah. So, So it it sounds like control. And (laughs) power and trying to get some power around mm. some some situation you're not going to get any power putting me third girlfriend like <laughs>
2: <Elizabeth>. <laughs> she knows that it's going to cut you a little bit so she'll, <laughs> or she'll try and I have to work a tried, for
0: it. she's clever well thank you so so much for coming on and sharing all your wisdom and your tips I hope everyone loved this episode yeah I think it's one of those
1: things that yeah like I definitely had anxieties around adding another member of the family and I guess as you say like don't put too much expectation on yourself. Deal with things as they come. Don't try and predict what's going to happen, and just know that there's going to be times where there's big feelings, and that's okay. It's 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 a massive change for you, and it's a massive change for every family member. So thank you for coming and chatting about it.
2: That's okay. Thanks for having me back. Um, I just pleasure. want to mention if any of your listeners are having a bit of trouble with toddler behaviour, I do have a bit of a guide. If you go over to my Instagram and just click the link, there's a free guide to download all about managing behaviours respectfully if you're interested in that
1: yeah and we'll link it in our show notes too so people can find your Instagram page and we
0: will put the direct link there as well thanks Thanks, Alex thank Thank you thanks for listening to this episode of beyond the bump if you enjoyed it please subscribe and give us a review if you didn't good on you you
1: can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes we'll see you next week Bye-bye!